0: Today on 501c3bs, we're going to talk about the future of funding. Welcome to 501c3bs. I'm your host, Sue Velasco, director of the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at Cal State Fullerton's Mahalo School of Business and Economics. Join me today as we debunk the myths of the social sector. We will cut down the weeds and clear your path for organizational growth. This is a presentation I've been doing in the community and has become quite popular and I thought I would do it as a podcast. You know, fear has two meanings. You can forget everything and run, F-E-A-R, or you can face everything and rise. The choice is yours. And with technology, these are your choices. You can be computer free and leave the 21st century and not interact with anyone, or you can learn and adapt. I just want to remind you that in 1980, a top of the line computer system was a 10 megabyte computer for $6,000. And for more money, you could buy what was then called a microcomputer, which was the size of an electric typewriter. We've come a long way to a point now where we have more computing power in our pockets on our smartphones than the entire Apollo 11 moon mission had. If you listen to Amir's podcast on technology, You know about all the things that are coming up. Cloud computing has changed everything. We're not talking about gigabytes of information anymore. We're not talking about terabytes or petabytes. We're talking about zettabytes of information. Millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of bytes of information coming over our smartphones every day. Quantum computing is going to make it easier to get more information and larger files quicker and faster into your phones. Smart spaces and the Internet of Things is connecting the world around us to computers in a way that will fully automate most of our lives. We'll have fully automated cars, trucks, drones, and planes, and all of this automation will, according to many people, get rid of as much as 48% of our jobs as we know them today. We have AR, VR, and MR coming with remote learning and remote working. Blockchain will change the way that we do things like banks, insurance, healthcare. Anything that requires secure information will change through blockchain. If you want to find out more about these changes, you can listen to our discussion on the future of technology that we did on a podcast earlier. You can watch a very interesting and funny video on BuzzFeed. Just Google the BuzzFeed privacy prank. And you can see how we have no privacy anymore, that privacy is a thing of the past on the internet. You can watch the PBS Frontline program on AI. Listen to the Radiolab podcast on CRISPR. There's actually more than one of them. And their podcast on the eye in the sky. Check out the Reply All podcast number 135 on Robocalls. There's a great article on Bluebird.com Beyond Gaming and the Future of VR. And the Next Web has a great article on the VR revolution. Those are some good things to kind of orient you to things that are happening in the future, things that we should all be aware of because they're going to be affecting us very soon and in some cases even as we speak. So what does this all mean for the social sector? Well, with all of this automation, many things that we do now and hire staff or will be automated and we won't need staff for those things. A lot of jobs are going to be lost to automation and There is a mission there for organizations to retrain people for new jobs. There is more virtual life and less real life, meaning that people are gonna need places to gather and have real life experiences. And there'll be a boom for those things that do not automate and provide those real life experiences. Things like medical services, food services, arts and museums. Another important change that's coming and is in some ways here now, is the way that we look at endowments. Do you think that the Gen X generation, the millennial Gen Y generation, and the Gen Z or Xennial generation, do you think that these three generations are going to be giving endowments in the same way that previous generations have? I can tell you they will not. Technology is changing the way people think about giving. Organizations that are smart will do the most to optimize their endowment giving by the baby boomers before my generation, the baby boomer generation is gone from this earth. Organizations that have done well at growing their endowments will have a lot more time to be able to change in the future than organizations who don't have that cushion. So one of the first things that we can do if we're really thinking about the future of funding is do a better job at building our endowments with our older population before they're gone. Next, there are many new ways of giving. We have crowdfunding, chatbots, online peer-to-peer fundraisers, less galas, and donate by text and voting. There are also new apps out there that will help with giving. Things like Coin Up, Share the Meal, Charity Miles, Photition, and One Today. There's a marketwatch.com story about these apps. These are all apps that provide a way to give to those in need at the click of a button. So let's take these things one at a time. Crowdfunding, for younger people in my audience, you're very familiar with crowdfunding. For those of us who are a little older, crowdfunding is not something that you're gonna be able to use for everything. But for very specific things, it can be very beneficial. For example, emergencies. When you have a project that's in an emergency situation and you can convey the poignancy and the purpose, that's a great thing for crowdfunding. I'll give you an example. When I was the CEO of a cultural organization, an arsonist tried to burn down our outdoor theater and was able to burn down a storage unit that held our theater piano. There is a very visceral picture of a piano on fire being put out by firemen. We put that picture on a crowdfunding campaign and let people know we needed $40,000 to rebuild. And within two weeks, we raised that money. Another great thing for crowdfunding is when you have an event that appeals to a millennial audience. For example, we put together a quinceanera program for girls from shelters that wouldn't get a quinceanera because they had no parents to give them one. We worked with six shelters, 25 girls got a quinceanera, and we had a picture of them from the back, dressed in their beautiful dresses, getting ready to go on stage, and that picture went viral. We asked for just enough money pay for the food for the event, and within four hours, we raised enough money to pay for it for the next three years because that picture went viral. Just that beautiful picture with Quinceañera for Shelter Girls as a title. Sure, there was a blurb about the event down below, but it was that picture and that title that made people really respond. These are the kind of things that lend themselves to crowdfunding. Let's talk about chatbots. Charity Water, one of the most innovative charities on the internet, put together a chatbot for fundraising, the first of its kind. Now, if you're not familiar with what a chatbot is, anytime you've ever been on Amazon or your bank and a little pop-up window comes up and says, hi, my name is Erica, can I help you? And you type in a question and you talk with Erica. Erica is not a person, Erica is a robot. And eventually you'll ask Erica a question that she can't answer. And Erica will say, let me get somebody who can help you with that. And then someone else will come on the chat and start talking to you. At that moment, you're actually talking to a person. That is a chatbot. It's basically the same as the customer service numbers you call and talk to a robot before they connect you to a person. But it's a little more personal and the chatbots are getting more and more realistic to the point where you can't tell them apart from real people. Charity Water did a chatbot that was an amalgamation of children that they serve from villages that they serve, bringing clean water to villages in developing nations. Her name was Yeshi, and she would pop up a beautiful picture of a smiling young girl saying, Hi, my name is Yeshi, can I show you my village? And you would take a tour of the village with Yeshi, and then Yeshi would ask you if you wanted to contribute. And at that point, you were taken to a donation window. This is the kind of chatbot I think we'll see a lot more of in the future. Another kind of chatbot would be for donor queries and administrative tasks, much like the chatbots that I mentioned that you see with your bank or with Amazon. How can I help you today? Where can I direct you? It helps you navigate a website easier, especially websites that have a lot of things going on with them in larger organizations. Another kind of chatbot is the kind that gathers data. For example, the World Food Program uses a chatbot in Nigeria and Haiti to ask people about local food prices and food security in their communities. That data helps them put together grants and funding and get more information that they need to do their job better. Another kind of chatbot is one used for human resources. Our Walmart is a chatbot used by Walmart for their workers' questions. If you have an HR question, the chatbot will field it, and if they can't help you, they will lead you to an actual person. The future of funding also includes online peer-to-peer fundraisers. Anybody ever hear of the ice bucket challenge? These kinds of fundraisers are becoming an important part of the future, and certainly a great way to get younger people more involved in charitable organizations. People do these kinds of fundraisers for Facebook birthday requests, Today's my birthday, but instead of getting me a present, why don't you contribute some money to my favorite charity? Or let's have a Fitbit challenge. We'll all put some money to our favorite charity and see who can get the most steps over the weekend. There's no end to the kinds of DIY, do-it-yourself fundraisers that people can do for charities. And charities are getting better at putting DIY fundraisers as an option on their donate pages. Would you like to do a fundraiser on our behalf? and they might have some bullet items of types of fundraisers that people could do for them. For example, a penny drive at schools, fraternities and sororities doing a twister tournament at a local park. There's no end to the kinds of things that people can come up with to raise money for their local charities in a fun way that capitalizes on their own interests and passions. Next is text-to-donate. People can text-to-vote for their favorite dancer in a -a dance-a-thon, runner in a marathon, or local celebrity in an online challenge. Text-to-voting is the next big thing for fundraising. It used to be, and still is, that most every organization had their big annual gala event. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I'm not a big fan of gala events. You can listen to the podcast on one big fundraiser from our first season. Gala events generally don't make money, especially when you put the staff costs into the bottom line. But let me ask you this, how many Gen X, Gen Z, and Gen Y people do you think are going to be going to big, giant gala fundraisers with the rubber chicken dinners? I venture to say not many. They're much more interested in doing the peer-to-peer fundraising, the DIY fundraising, and creating smaller events that fit their personalities better. So as you plan for the future, think less about the one big gala and think more about how you can create smaller events that are driven by the people who care most about you. The next way that funding is changing is the quest for innovation. Startup tech companies have changed the way funders think about grants and funding. Everybody wants that next big thing and funders love shiny objects the newest coolest thing is what they wanna fund. And so you'll see an explosion of innovation grants. It's in our interest to have pilot programs that we can innovate in and use those programs for new innovation grants. It's also in our interest to be able to innovate anyway. And if you wanna know more about that, listen to our podcast on innovation. Another new opportunity out there is VR tours for funders. Do you have a program that's hard for people to visit? Maybe it's in another country or in a mental hospital or some kind of institution or a prison. Programs that are hard for funders to come and see are very hard to sell because people can't visit the program easily. But what if you could rent a VR camera and mount it on a helmet on someone's head and have them go through the program with it. Then you go to a funder's house, you sit in their living room, have them put on a VR headset and they are live in the program as it's happening. When they look to the left and they look to the right, they see other program participants. If they're sitting in a school in Africa and they look up, they'll see the thatched roof of the school. It's immersive. It makes them feel the program in a way a video can't. It's a great way of getting people involved in your programs, especially large funders. And it's a great way of getting people closer to your mission, which is the goal for giving. I teach marketing at California State University Fullerton's Mahalo School of Business. And when I teach marketing, we talk about the three types of media. Owned media, paid media, and earned media. Owned media is all the things you own, your podcasts, your YouTube channels, your Instagram photos, your Twitter account, all of your social media accounts and your website. Paid media are the things that you buy ads for. But earned media, that's that sweet spot. It's when a news outlet does a story on you. It's when a newspaper or magazine does an article on you. And it's when something that you put on the internet goes viral. Other people start talking about it, sharing it. That is earned media. And we cannot survive without earned media. So we have to get better at what we put online. There used to be a way of thinking that all you had to do was put a lot of things online and eventually people would buy into what you're selling. That's actually not the best way. And if you listen to our podcasts with Stephanie L. Smith on social media, she has some great suggestions and I'll just reiterate them quickly now. First of all, don't be that person in the room that's always pushing your stuff and nobody wants to talk to them because all they do is talk about themselves. Don't be the narcissist in the room. It's a conversation. Make your social media feeds a conversation. Put up questions. Put up answers. Put up other people's posts. Share things. Make your social media site the coffee table in the living room where everybody gathers around and talks over. Use high-quality pictures, audio and video that have viral qualities. It's quality, not quantity. Tell your story that has those same viral qualities. Pick one or two mediums that work best for you and post at key times like 5 a.m., 3 p.m., 4 p.m. Thursdays are the best day of the week to post, according to the internet. And after you post, stay on for 20 minutes answering questions that may come up. You'll find that if you can get a conversation going after a post, that that will go a long way to making that post go viral and getting more noticed. It's important also that we keep up with technology in our software. The first thing we can do is really learn our smartphones. All of our smartphones are filled with free apps. Those apps can help us. and It's important for us to take some time to learn how to use those apps in the same way younger people do. Just play around with them. Many organizations rely on outside people to manage their websites, which can become a problem because you have to always go to those outside people every time you want to post. As a result, many of our websites become very static. They're hardly ever updated and they're usually out of date. One way to stop that is by managing your own website. And it's a lot easier to do that with a product like Squarespace. I don't work for Squarespace, but I'm a big proponent of them. I use them for my websites. They have great templates, they're easy to update, and they're no harder to work than any smartphone. WordPress is also great, but it doesn't have the same templates, and it's not usually as pretty without a lot more effort. Google Office is free and should be a part of all of our work. If you go to TechSoup, you can get the premium version of Google Office free if you're a 501c3 organization. Google Office allows people to share calendars, documents, spreadsheets, and have them updated in real time. It's a great way to run your office without any extra costs. Anytime that you need to learn anything about technology, there's a free YouTube video that will teach you. Use YouTube training whenever you can. It's also important for us as organizations to not just have a social media account, but have a YouTube channel where we can post videos and maybe a podcast about what it is we do. If these things are well done and high quality, they can go a long way to bringing in earned media. We can use VR headsets in the way that I mentioned earlier, crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. If you don't know what crowdsourcing is, it's as simple as using people on your platform to ask questions of so that you can pull them to find out what you can do to improve your services. You can use an email server like Constant Contact. There's a whole bunch of them out there. Email servers are a great way to get your information out to a lot of people quickly. And if you build a great email list with thousands of people on it, That gives you a lot of power to have other people want to partner with you because they see that you have a large following. Doodle polls and Google Forms are a great way to put together meetings and other things that are hard to get multiple people together on at one time. It may take you some time to learn these technological pieces, but they will make your life easier in the long run. And just remember, the biggest asset you have in the world is your mindset. You can look at technology as the enemy and it will be your enemy. Or you can look at it as your friend and it will be your friend. The more time and energy you put into making it better, the better it will be for you. And remember that if you change nothing, nothing will change. Good luck in your technological journey and with the future of funding. This is Zoom Velasco for 501 c 3 bs 501c3bs, deprogramming for organizational growth. I'm your host, Zo Velasco. 501c3bs is sponsored by the Gianneschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Gianneschi is spelled G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I. That's G-I-A-N-N-E-S-C-H-I. Gianeschi Center for Nonprofit Research at California State University Fullerton and the Mahalo School of Business. Check out my Twitter feed at 501c3bs, my webpage at zootvelasco.com, and my book, The First Hundred Days on Amazon. The music is provided to us from our good friends at the traditional Brazilian choral group, Grupo Falso Baiano and Amy Molinelli. Find them at grupofalsobaiano.com. Thank you for listening. Have a great day free from BS.